Hi there, and welcome to the Skylight Books author reading series. If you'd like to learn more about us and our many upcoming author events, please visit skylightbooks.com, where you can browse our inventory, buy books, and join our Friends with Benefits Club. You can also follow us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. To speak to a real live bookseller like me, please call 323-660-1175. Thanks for your support, and enjoy. Thank you so much for coming. I really, really appreciate it. Um, I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited that you're here. Uh, I want to thank Skylight because that was a really nice introduction. Um, and Amy Bender was mentioned in it, and she's kind of my hero. Um, and I've been to so many great author events here over the years, so it really means a lot to me that I'm having mine here. Can you hear me OK? How about now, Michael J? OK, cool. Um, I also want to thank my friend Bonnie, who made all these amazing treats that I hope that you'll enjoy later. Um, she has a food blog called Thirsty for Tea, and she's basically a genius. Um, and there's some vegan treats, too. And my friend Michelle is here taking photos. And if you like children's literature, you will like her blog and Instagram called Avery and Augustine. And she's like an expert in the field. <laughs> um, so thank you. Uh, we're here because Capstone just published my first middle grade novel called Zinnia and the Bees. And um, it's the story of a 12-year-old knitter and yarn bomber and the colony of bees who mistakes her hair for a hive and lands on her head. Um, so both Zinnia and the bees get to tell their side of things. And uh, at its heart, it's really a story about searching for home because the bees are searching for a literal hive home. And then Zinnia is searching for more the feeling of home in herself, to be at ease with herself and to feel at home and at ease with other people. Um, so I'll give you a little bit of background. I started this um, almost 10 years ago, so it took some time. And when I started it, it was something that I was imagining would be for adults for some reason. Uh, and so a couple years in, I changed it to be for younger readers. And that's when it really clicked. And I sort of found my own writing home, the way Zinnia finds her home and the bees find theirs. Uh, I sort of found my home in terms of writing and writing this particular project. Um, what else? Oh, the idea of the book, I have to give credit to my dude over there, Todd, for he brought to me. <laughs> so this is one of the many reasons the book is dedicated to him. He brought to me this idea of an image of someone with bees on and around their head. And he got the idea from watching me during a really painful and anxious time in my own life. Um, I'm really emotional. I think it's because there are like former students here and it feels like a reunion. So thank you. Um, so the bees are sort of a metaphor for anxiety in my mind. And I think that the more I've edited and worked on and now that the book is real, that idea of the bees as metaphor has grown and become really important for me. And I think that they can be a metaphor for the anxiety that Zinnia is feeling and the things that are heightening her anxiety. And they can also be a metaphor for all the stuff that's out of her control or out of any reader's control. And they can also even be a metaphor for the process of growing up, which can be sort of like strange and prickly and uncomfortable sometimes. 
So Zinnia is a yarn bomber. Will you please raise your hand if you've heard of yarn bombing before? Okay, so this is like pretty good. Maybe half of you have, maybe a little more than half, which is pretty good. Um, does anyone want to tell us what yarn bombing is? Like especially if you're a knitter or a yarn bomber? Cordelia? Have you heard of it? What is it? <laughs> wow, you're pointing out that I gave away the answer as I asked the question. You are correct. That is yarn bombing. So it's sort of like um, street art for knitters and crocheters. Uh, and I will show you some to give you an idea. So trees are one of the most common things that are yarn bombed. And in fact, there's like a pole outside the Mexican restaurant on the corner that has yarn wrapped around it. I don't know if you saw it when you came in, but maybe you'll see it when you go out. Um, let's see. So trees are a thing that's yarn bombed. It's basically any object that's covered in yarn. <laughs> like the squid tree. Is it kind of like graffiti but in yarn? Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Yes. That's a very... Exactly. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> so more. This is our um, sweater hands hugging trees. And uh, parking meters are really common too. Raise your hand if you've seen a parking meter wrapped in some kind of knit, cozy or something. Yeah. So this is a common one. Come in all kinds of varieties. Are there any knitters here today? Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> Cute. Wow. <laughs> so there are um, people who are known as yarn bombers, so they're like professional yarn bombers. So this is a duo from uh, the Bay Area called Knits for Life, and they do a bunch of really incredible pieces like this. <laughs> and they did this one. Does anybody know which famous picture book character this is? Just yell it out. Yeah. Yes, The Hungry Caterpillar by Eric Carl, nicely done. Oh. <laughs> These are more creatures they made outside of a library. <laughs> and this is another artist called Julia Rorden. So from what I can tell about like half of the yarn bombs she does have to do with a drain pipe and some kind of splat or, or another coming out of it. Wow. Wow! <laughs> and this is actually the Craft and Folk Art Museum here in LA, across from LACMA and Wilshire. So they had a yarn bombing exhibit a few years ago, and I think it was Yarn Bombing LA that covered the outside of the building like this. And Yarn Bombing LA is still going strong. That's an organization people are still part of, and they're doing all kinds of stuff in the city. And this fence is and actually next to the museum and it's still there and there's usually if you drive by like some kind of yarn writing of some sort. <laughs> Love it. I included this one because it seems to be set at a school and it is a statue covered in knit and Zinnia and the Bees opens with a yarn bomb kind of similar to this so uh, the first lines of the book are Ronnie the rattlesnake is naked but not for long. That's because 
um, that's Zinnia speaking, and she and her older brother and best friend Adam have shown up at her middle school on her last day of seventh grade before dawn, and of course nobody's around, and they want to yarn bomb the rattlesnake statue that's the mascot for the school, and she has secretly named it Ronnie. So they do, they yarn bomb it, they want it to be this like secretive surprise thing, and it's glorious, and they're best friends, and it's just the best thing ever. But when she gets back to school a few hours later, Ronnie's naked again. And she gets in trouble. And her former friends have told her secret to the vice principal, and she has to spend the day in detention because of the yarn bomb, even though they don't know what it's called, of course. Um, so all she wants to do is go home and tell her best friend, older brother Adam, what happened, and because he's going to understand and get it. But Adam is missing. He's not at home when she gets there, and he's left her this sort of cryptic message that she knows means he's gone. He's left for the summer, and she knows that he's okay, but she doesn't know where he is or why he's gone uh, or anything, and so she is devastated. So that's why I have this lion statue in here. <laughs> and uh, does anybody know which famous picture book this is a crocheted representation of? Just yell it out if you know it. What? Which one? The Snowy Day by Ezra Jack Keats. A beautiful, beautiful book. Um, so this is from a yarn bomber called Jenny Brown. And she's done a few crochet projects that have to do with children's literature, like this one. She did this one, too. Does anybody know which famous picture book these trees are from? Red Dr. Seuss, what's the name? The Lorax, we have a winner. <laughs> so these are the truffle trees from The Lorax by Dr. Seuss. So I asked Jenny if she would make a crocheted cover of Zinnia and the Bees because I knew the kind of work that she did and if I could commission her to do it. And she said yes. Oh so I'm super lucky to have this in my apartment right now. Um, and in person, the, the bees are like really detailed and the hair is like super 3D and pretty amazing. And so I'm showing it off like I had something to do with it. <laughs> I didn't. So that's pretty neat. And then there are bees. So there's yarn bombing and knitting, uh, and there are bees in the story too. So raise your hand if you've heard of this, of a bee beard. Wow, okay, so this we're all learning something. It's good. So Zinnia gets kind of an unintentional beehive hairdo, and so this is a real thing in real life where people get bee beards, and it's, as far as I know, I'm not an expert on bee beards, but as far as I know, it's something that beekeepers do to sort of, of course, entertain, but also to get people familiar with bees and sort of educate them about how important they are to humans. And so it does not hurt the bees, by the way. Uh, and I don't think it hurts the humans either, though if you're allergic, I would not recommend it. But so a beekeeper will take the queen from a hive, which is you know the biggest one, and they'll put the queen in a breathable box around someone's neck and then smoke out the bees from the hive. Doesn't hurt them. And the bees will sort of gather all around their queen, of course. And so it takes the shape of something like a beard. <laughs> Raise your hand if you would do this. Very few. Yeah, I'm totally with you. Totally with you. Never in a million years.
this one. This is, I think it's a record holder in China. This person has bees all the way down to their feet. And I'm wondering if anyone wants to guess how many bees this person's body is covered with. All the way down to his feet. And he's wearing goggles. How many inches thick? Oh, that's good. Any guesses? A hundred thousand? More than a hundred thousand. Less than four hundred thousand. <laughs> it is two hundred and twenty-eight thousand bees. And Zinnia has four thousand on her head, in case you're wondering. Um, and apparently it is 57 pounds worth of bees. <laughs> so I will just leave that up for you while I continue on to talk about my book. <laughs> Maybe it will inspire you. So I want to close by reading a short passage, but I will set it up for you. So I told you about the yarn bomb, right, of Ronnie the Rattlesnake. And I told you about the yarn bomb flop. And then I told you about how Adam is missing. And Zinnia is really devastated by that. So the first thing she does is she goes to get ice cream. And she does that for three reasons. One, because ice cream, to console herself. And the second is because she thinks maybe Adam will be there. And it sort of sets off her search for Adam that she does in the neighborhood for the rest of the book through the summer. And then the third is that she wants to take revenge on her mom, Dr. Floss. Uh, Dr. Flastrop is a dentist, and so she is averse to sugar, and she's pretty like serious about this no sugar thing. And also, Zinnia blames her mom for Adam's disappearance, and rightfully so, she does. So she gets her ice cream, but she's too upset to eat it, and she starts crying, and she puts her head on the table, and ice cream gets in her hair. So meanwhile, a truck crashes nearby, and this truck is carrying agricultural bees. Have you ever heard of this? Candace has, I know, for a fact. <laughs> uh, so this is a real thing. So these bees in this story are agricultural bees that go around on trucks with beekeepers to pollinate fruits and vegetables for humans. And they're like okay with it, like life is all right. The beekeepers are nice, but they feel like something's missing in their lives, and they yearn for freedom. And so when the truck crashes, their wooden hive breaks, and they decide to make a break for it. Mommy. So here's what happens. Mommy. Mommy. And this is from Zinnia's perspective. Oh, this is the book! <laughs> okay. I stand up and ice cream dribbles from my hair onto my collar, turning my charcoal gray t-shirt slightly wet and minty green. I throw out the ice cream cone and cup, leaving the drippy goop all over the table, and silently ask Dr. Flossdrop and anyone who works at Scoops for forgiveness for not cleaning up. Heading in the general direction of home, I pass the sneaker store, an art supply store, but the smoke from the accident gets my attention. Some of it is definitely smoke, poofing up and dissipating into the air. But some of it's moving more like a cloud, a rippling, blurry cloud. It looks like a cloud of bees, a cloud of bees rising up from one of the boxes on the truck. I stand there, staring, wondering what bees are doing in a box on a truck in the first place. Then I feel a small gust of air as something flies past my face. 
It's a bee. I don't know if it's a regular bee or an escapee from the smoky truck, but either way, I'm out of here. I'm not allergic to or super afraid of bees, but the fact is they're no one's favorite animal for a reason. I shake out my ice creamy hair and keep going. There are plenty of people around to help with that accident, adult people, and I am definitely not my come to the rescue mom, Dr. Flostrop. But as I glance back, there's that bee again. It's making its way toward me like it's delirious, mostly going in a straight line, but veering around a little too, like maybe the wind is blowing it, lollygagging the way bees do. But still, lollygagging in my direction. I keep walking, faster now. But when I glance back again, just to see what's going on, that bee is closer behind me. Or maybe it's a different bee. I don't know, they all look the same. Wait a minute. All of a sudden, it's not just one bee anymore. It's a few bees, then a handful, then a whole bunch. Before I know it, it's a whole swarm of bees. My eyeballs are overwhelmed with too many bees to even count. What was an undulating gray cloud over the truck is now an undulating gray cloud above the sidewalk, and it's headed straight for me. I walk as fast as I possibly can, trying not to bring attention to myself. But the bees speed up too. This is pretty weird. As I hurry down the street, I think of stingers and welts. I could really use one of those full body suits with a mask, because that clump of bees is most definitely on the move. Suddenly, one bee breaks away from the others and zips toward me. It circles a foot or two away. It darts toward me for a second, then goes back to circling again. Then it darts closer. This time, it keeps coming, a slow motion swoop in my direction. All I can do is stop right where I am and helplessly shield my face, hoping the bee will abandon whatever mission it's on. For a moment, I feel nothing. I peek between my face shielding hands and see nothing. But then there's a tingle on the crown of my head. Not a sting, just a tingle. I wave my hand around. Nothing happens. And then there's another bee aiming straight for me. No, 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 no. I shield my face again, but like its predecessor, this bee isn't going for my face. It's not going past me either. Instead, I feel a second arrival in my wild, curly, ice creamy mop of hair. Another tiny little weight. More bees are coming toward me now. They're close enough that I can see the way their spindly little legs dangle below them as they fly, their papery translucent wings, the soft sound of an old-timey phone ringing. Ring, ring. I take off down the sidewalk in a panic, tripping over people and shoes and strollers. It's like a terrible, ridiculous Attack of the Bees sci-fi movie is being filled, filmed, except no one else knows about it, and I am, unfortunately, the star. People turn and look at me, but my legs and mind are moving too fast to care or hear them if they're trying to talk to me. I keep running. I don't look back. I run for blocks and blocks, past sneakers hanging from telephone wires, past kids on skateboards, past the lady who sweeps up trash, past the neon bandana bike riding guy, past a food truck. I'm getting closer to the duplex. And then I do look back, just to check. There's no use running anymore. The whole swarm is circling closer, closer, closer. A remote-controlled airplane engine in my ear. Hundreds of bees uncomfortably near my bonnet. And then they're landing, all of them, on my head. So I'm here to take any questions, if you have any, about the book or about my writing process or something along those lines. Where is the book? Yeah, Mary. It's really random, but your, um, I haven't been in book yet, but your hair and Zinnia's hair have some similarity. Did you ever get something stuck? <laughs> no. 
I, the question was about if I, my hair and Zinnia's hair have something in common, if I ever got anything stuck in my hair. I mean, I'm sure I got gum stuck in my hair like every human being does at one point or another, right? Uh, no, her hair is like super big and curly. Um, and then the cover, the cover, the person who did the illustration for the cover sort of imagined it in sort of like a an updo, I guess, because it sort of took the shape of that hive. So, and yes, I always wear a bun, pretty much, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Did, did they find their brother? Well, I just can't tell you that. Yeah, yeah. That kind of reminds me of what you're doing, but you did it upside down. Yeah. You know, they call it hair-raising events, right? <laughs> That's an excellent point. Uh, the the cover actually, it's designed by, or the illustration is by Laura K. Horton. Um, she's an up-and-coming illustrator, and originally the book was not upside down. So, wait. Right? Yeah, it was like this at first. And then the book designer at Capstone uh, decided it might be more interesting upside down, and I just couldn't agree more. It sort of like transformed the cover, which was really, really neat. So I don't knit. Yeah, I have to be totally honest with you. I'm terrible at knitting. I'm terrible with my hands. I did take a knitting class, uh, again, with my dude in preparation and research for this, but I was awful. He was great. Um, and I really, though, I admire people who can do things with their hands, because mine are pretty useless. Uh, and I'm in my head a lot. And so I, I appreciate people who are good with their hands, like Zinnia, like knitters. Yeah, Bo. How did this story come to you? Um, so you came in late, but I'm going to reiterate it because it's so important. <laughs> uh, and maybe I can expand on it too. Um, so Todd brought me this idea of an image of someone with bees around their head. And it was basically me at the time, and they sort of stood in for anxiety. Um, and the book, I mean, I don't know that it's overtly about anxiety, but for me, Zinnia is definitely an anxious young person. Um, and a couple of people have picked up on that. She does a lot of counting. Like, if she gets nervous, uh, there's a the boy in the book who becomes her best friend as much as she tries to not let him in. Um, he wears plaid always, like plaid shirt, plaid shorts, plaid socks. And so when they're first getting to know each other, she'll like count the plaid squares on his shirt to distract herself. Um, what else was I going to say about that? Oh, so he brought me this image, and I didn't want to write about myself, obviously. I wanted to write about this person. So it was sort of like, who is this girl? Where did the bees come from? How does she handle it? And so it was like a jumping off point for me to write the story and investigate that. Yeah, Cordelia. The question was, why do the bees get in her hair? And I'm wondering if anybody has a guess about why the bees go in her hair this particular day. Yeah, what do you think? I think that's a very real possibility. So there's ice cream in her hair, and bees like sweet stuff, right? Like nectar and pollen. I don't know if pollen is sweet, but... So that's the idea, that they are going for the ice cream. And the other thing is that there's this certain bee named B641, and B641, they, they sort of, they operate as a collective, and they narrate as a collective. But B641 gets called out a lot because she's elected as the scout after the truck crashes, and so she's never 
done this before because they've been taken care of by beekeepers and like given food like this. And so she is looking for something that might be a proper hive and she sees Zinnia's massive hair and smells something sweet and no one is happy about her choice. <laughs> yeah. So um, in addition to the bee beers, what other Oh, that's a great question. Thanks, Elise. Um, so I started back in the day on this. It was at a time when colony collapse disorder was in the news a lot and the bees were disappearing, which is still going on. Yes. Is it still going on, Candace? Yes, I have okay. um, And I was working at tree people not long before this, and then I was at an environmental website. And so I was sort of exposed to this idea. What was the question? Bees, research. Okay. So I started with a book called Nature's Little Wonders by Candace Savage, and then I did a lot of internet research. And I'm not great at research, so it kind of like went through my head pretty quickly, but I, I found that I could use the stuff I learned about bees, like their anatomy and their behavior, and then use it for comedy. Like they're just so weird and so funny and hilarious, and they were just my favorite part to write. Um, so some of the stuff in the book is not real, like obviously, um, but like the bees break dance at one point to combat their desperation. Uh, but then there's a lot that is real about bees, like bees make something called bread, I mean we call it bread, and they like pack stuff into their honeycomb and then they literally wait a while like you would put bread in the oven and then when it's ready it's this like magical wow. food. And they dance, I'm sure many of you knew that already, that bees do a waggle dance. It's a big part of the book. Can you share this with me? <laughs> 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 yes. Um, my doctor does bee venom therapy too, girlfriend. We've been studying it all year. But what I wanted to ask you, um, did you, you know, writing books is therapeutic. And a lot of times writers like to be near the ocean because it really helps them flow. Especially if they have writer's block or whatever, you broke up with your husband, whatever the deal was. And so, uh, did, did you come through at the end of the book? Are you feeling a lot more lifted? That's a really nice question. Uh, the answer is yes. I I actually, yeah, I found a lot of joy writing this book. Gosh. Great. So, so you, that was your therapy, too. Maybe you should try the bee venom therapy. Look it up. I'll give you my doctor's number. You're cracking me up. Um, it was, I mean, writing a book is not going to solve your anxiety. It didn't solve mine, for sure. Um, but getting help with anxiety and then having the ability to write was a huge joy for me, especially writing something for kids, because I think kids' books are the best, um, and I like kids. And I think that kids' books offer what I need from stories now and what I needed from stories then, which is like validation and comfort and hope. Uh, so even in like a funny story like this, I hope that there's an offering of that. Yeah. But I don't think as a kid I knew what anxiety was. I didn't know what the feeling was, and so for this to be available to under I think is very going to be very important. Well, thank you. Yeah, that's a good point. That anxiety when you're a kid, you don't have a, a language for what anxiety is. Yeah, so it's not like called out in the book. Yeah. Do you see a life for the story after the book? Like, have you thought about that? Have you entertained any ideas of maybe animation or taking it somewhere, like, continuing the story in some other medium or not? 
The question was about continuing the story in another medium. I mean, that's the dream, Owen. That's the dream. Um, but I, I, yeah, that will be up to the, the fates. Um, but I did kind of, when I was writing, I did kind of imagine it in an animated form. Not that it needs to take that form, but just in my own mind. Like, there's a zaniness and a wackiness to the story that I, and like a visual quality that I think, in my own mind, I would sort of see it that way. I'd like to see you write a book on dating girls. Get way more into that. <laughs> Can you talk about your past yeah, the question was about my path to publication. So dig in, get ready. Um, I, I guess I was a teacher, and a couple of my former students are here, and they're like super grown-up human beings now. Um, but I was a teacher, and then I stopped teaching because I wanted to give myself some space to try out writing, because I'd never really believed that I could. So I went to graduate school for that. And I then, you know, so working and stuff, and then I was writing short stories for adults. And I was like publishing one or two a year, which felt like a big accomplishment. Um, and then I always loved picture books. So like Sean Tan's The Red Tree is my very favorite book of all time. Um, and yeah, so I always loved children's books and it was just in deciding to actually make this one and make a go of it. And why did it take so long? I don't know. I revised it a lot. It's hard to get an agent. Life gets in the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a good question. Um, I had not thought of this as a picture book first, but I have done that before. Like I have a novel that I'm throwing out that started as a picture book and then I changed to middle grade and then I threw in the trash. So it does happen, <laughs> but it didn't happen with this one. Yeah, Sophia. Do you have any ideas for future The question was about ideas for future books. Whew, so the pressure is on. Um, I did... I've worked on a chapter book. So this year I was editing. It was like a big project to edit the book. My first time doing that for an editor. But I was able to steal away some time to write a chapter book. So that's for even younger kids. And I needed something that was like small and that I could manage and that was just kind of like fun and funny and I could just be imaginative and kooky and not have a lot of pressure. So I don't know. We'll see what my agent thinks. <laughs> So thank you for coming. Um. You've been listening to the Skylight Books author reading series. Don't forget, you can listen to this and all of our other great podcasts at skylightbooks.com. Thanks again for stopping by, and we hope to see you soon.